But my mother would always say, you have to eat your peas and carrots or you can't see in the dark. Don't you touch anything, Coyote, or I'll freeze your toes off. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. We love stories! It's time for the apple seed, filled with stories for you and your family. All kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers to warm your heart, lift your spirit, give flight to your imagination, and bring you together around stories from all over the world. We're going to bring you some great ones today. We'll bring you a story from Len Cabral, a story called Old Man Winter. And you'll hear a personal story from Donald Davis, a story called Peas and Carrots. If there was ever a vegetable that you were inclined to slide under the table rather than eat, it. Well, that's a story for you. And you'll hear Foolish Jack, an old jack tale from Philadelphia storyteller Ed Stivender that you're sure to enjoy, along with conversations with Don Shaline and an entry in the Radio Family Journal as well. It's all coming up on the Appleseed. And to introduce us to the first story that we're going to hear today, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by one of our assistant producers, Trent Horton. Trent, it's great to have you with me. Hey, it's always good to be here. And tell me about what we're going to hear. Yeah, so we're, we're going to hear a story called Old Man Winter. Um, and I don't know about you. I don't know if you have a favorite season or not. Um, I used to really like summer, personally. Yeah. And I think that had more to do with the lack of school than the actual season <laughs> sure, itself. Sure, yeah. If if none of those things were if, – if school were not part of the equation, you know, what would you pick as your favorite? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Know? Yeah, which I actually think I would pick spring or fall yeah. now because I like the temperatures better. I like being yeah. outside during that time. Um, so, I mean, I'm still in school, but have a, uh, it's it's still my favorite. <laughs> but if you could imagine for a minute what it would be like to live without any seasons at all, just one year-round temperature, which mm. I used to live in Puerto Rico for a couple years, and that's kind of what it's like there. It's about 80 degrees. Yeah. There are times when it's a little more rainy than others, but, you know, for the most part, it's yeah pretty level. And uh, I got to admit, I, I, I missed winter while I was there. Sure, yeah. Missed the cold, missed the change. Yeah. So. You know, I was thinking about, uh, in fact, on the show, uh, I, I talked about the doldrums in a Radio Family Journal entry. And I, I was sort of surprised to learn that the doldrums are like a... a an equatorial region, right, mm-hmm. where ships will often find themselves becalmed, you know. And and I thought about that. I thought about, like, a place where the temperature stays the same year-round and uh, and there, there isn't that variation of seasons and things like yeah. that. And for a place like that to have the name the doldrums, I thought, I thought yeah, I get it. I think it's, it's more exciting to have – Change. Some seasons, a little change. We all love variety. That's right. Yeah. Not everybody's like that. I mean, a lot of people think, gosh, if only it would be a perfect temperature year round. Which is fair. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It's fair. Um, But yeah, so with this story, getting back to that a little bit, um, basically the people are starting to worry because it seems like winter's been around for quite some time. And they aren't really sure why, so they send Coyote out to investigate. And that's kind of where we begin. And that's where we begin. Ah, we're excited to hear the story. Old Man Winter, the storyteller, is the very wonderful Len Cabral, lives in uh, New England, lives in Rhode Island. And uh, we're excited to hear this tale. Here it is on the Appleseed. Long 
ago, the earth was covered with winter. It was winter over the whole earth. And the animals and the people, they were freezing. And they got together and they said, something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Winter's been here for too long. Where, where, where is spring? Where, where is summer? And where is autumn? Something's terribly wrong. The seasons seem to be stuck. We better call for Coyote. For you see, Coyote was a trickster and fixer of many things. So the animals, they call forth for Coyote. 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 It took a long time for Coyote to come, for who knew where Coyote was? Finally, when Coyote got there, they said, Coyote, something is wrong. It's been winter for too long, Coyote. You must do something. So, so Coyote thought he would go investigate. So Coyote, he traveled to the north. He traveled way far to the north, to the land of the snow and the ice, until he came to a mountain of solid ice. And his old doorway cut into that mountain. And Coyote knew that was the home of Old Man Winter. But before Coyote went into that cave, he walked over to a nearby tree and he got some sap. He made a ball of sap and he placed that ball of sap in his pocket. Then Coyote walked over to that door and he knocked on the door. And a booming voice came forth from that cave. It said, Who is it? It's me, Coyote. May I come in and warm myself by your fire? All right, Coyote, but you better not touch anything. And Coyote walked into that cave. And in the center of that cave, there was a roaring fire. And on the other side of the roaring fire was Old Man Winter. Old Man Winter was seven feet tall, sitting down. His head was a huge mass of ice. He had snowballs for ears. His eyes were of ice cubes. He had a long, long, long nose with icicles hanging off the end of it. His teeth were of black ice. He had long, skinny, bony fingers. He had snow and frost all over himself. And each time he breathed, he'd fill the room with frost looked across that fire at Coyote and he said, Don't you touch anything, Coyote, or I'll freeze your toes off. I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> and Coyote sat down and he sat up to warm himself by the fire. He looked around that cave and that cave was about the size of this room. But hanging from the ceiling were three moose skin sacks and a voice came from that first sack it was a young girl's voice and it said psst, psst. coyote coyote let me out i'm spring if you let me out 
I'll melt the snow. I'll bring forth crocuses, coyote. I'll bring spring rains. I'll bring the birds back. Coyote, let me out. I'm spring. Wow. Hey, old man Winter, you, you have spring in that sack. Don't touch that sack. I'll freeze your ears off, coyote. I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> and Cody sat back and he continued to warm his hands when all of a sudden a voice came from that second sack. It was a young boy's voice and it said, Psst. Psst. Coyote, let me out. I'm summer. If you let me out, I'll put leaves on the trees. I'll bring forth Fruits and vegetables, coyote. I'll make the days long. I'll bring summer breezes. Coyote, let me out. I'm summer. Wow. Hey, 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 old man winter. <laughs> old man winter, you, you have summer in that sack. Don't touch that sack, coyote. I'll freeze your fingers off. I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> and then a voice came from that third sack. It was a woman's voice. And it said, Psst. Coyote, let me out. I'm autumn. Coyote, if you let me out, I'll ripen the fruits and the vegetables, Coyote. I'll paint the leaves a million colors. I'll make the days short and brisk. Coyote, let me out. I'm autumn. Wow. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, old man winter. <laughs> you have, <laughs> old man winter, you have, <laughs> you, you, you have autumn in that sack. Don't touch that sack. I'll freeze your head off, coyote. <laughs> I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> and coyote, he reached into his pocket and he took out that ball of sap and he held that ball of sap close by the fire and you you yourself you know when sap gets warm it gets sticky and that sap got very warm and it got very very sticky and then Coyote said, Hey, old man Winter, what's that in the fire over there? Well, I don't see anything. Right down there in the fire. Look, look a little closer. Where? Right, right there. Look before it gets away. Where? Right there. And Coyote put that ball of sap right in old man Winter's face. And old man Winter went, ooh, ooh, and he put his hands on his face, and his hands got stuck to his face. He couldn't get his hands off his face. Ooh, ooh. Quickly, Coyote jumped up, cut down that first sack. It hit the ground. He opened it up, and out came a young girl, Spring. And as she ran, the snow melted wherever she stepped. Crocuses started growing. The grasses grew. Spring rain started to fall. The birds came back. For she was spring. Coyote quickly jumped up, cut down that second sack, and hit the ground. He opened it up, and out came a young boy, Summer. 
And as he ran, leaves grew on the trees and fruits and vegetables started growing and the days got longer and summer breezes blew for he was summer. Then Coyote quickly jumped up and cut down that third sack. It hit the ground. He opened it up. And out came a beautiful woman. And as she ran, the leaves on the trees turned a million colors. And the fruits and the vegetables, they ripened. And the days got short. And the winds got brisk. For she was autumn. And finally, Old Man Winter, he freed himself from that sap. He saw the seasons running from him, and he said, Come back here, I'll get you. And he started to chase those seasons. And those seasons, they ran from Old Man Winter. And as they ran from Old Man Winter, they made their path across the earth. And still, this very day, they're still running from Old Man Winter. First, spring runs by us. And then summer runs by us. And then autumn runs by us. And then old man winter chasing them, trying to catch them, put them back in the sack. And I hope he never catches them again. Len Cabral, I love. I gotta say, I I love to listen to Len Cabral tell stories. He's got a lovely voice. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I, I as I listened to that story, I thought about how many stories about the way things are mm-hmm. have at their center a trickster. Yeah, you know <laughs> that that things are the way they are through the work of a trickster. Yep, <laughs> it's a, is 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 kind of a compelling storytelling idea. I love it. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, well, what do you love about this story, Trent? Um, like you said, I I like the the trickster aspect of it. I love explanation stories that just yeah. offer alternative versions to storytelling versions to right? what we may already know. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I, you know, I I I remember going one time to a presentation of uh of of science stories, mm-hmm. right? They were science stories, but they were all they were all folk tales. They were stories like this okay. about but they all had to do with stars and the moon and the sun and the stories were told by a wonderful storyteller in in uh in kind of a, a science center you know yeah and and it, it gave you a look at again some of these some of these stories that give you you know not a scientific explanation but a storytelling explanation for scientific phenomena right? you know and the more I learn about science the more I realize a lot of it is creativity and, and storytelling <laughs> of their own they make guesses and they go about proving it but you know, they have to come up with something to explain stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, it it, it takes a lot of imagination to discover what the world Absolutely. is like, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, a pleasure to hear that story told for you by Len Cabral from New England. The story, of course, was Old Man Winter. And now you know. Trent, it's great to have you with me. Good to be here. There's a lot more coming up on The Appleseed. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. 
It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. A moment ago, you heard the story Old Man Winter, a story told for you by Len Cabral. And in just a little bit, you hear a story from the great North Carolina storyteller Donald Davis called Peas and Carrots. It's a story for anyone who has been tempted to slip any vegetable off of their plate and into a clandestine hiding place. Stay tuned for that. But first, because we know that the sharing of memories can sometimes unlock memories and thoughts for you that you can share around the kitchen table or the living room with your loved ones. Here's a memory of mine. It's today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. I go for a long walk every morning. I've been doing it for a long time. My walk is a little tricky. I don't know exactly what to call it. I walk for a couple of miles and then I come to a place where there's a circular track around a park and I run. I run that track for about a mile and then I walk the couple of miles back home. And I'm thinking a lot about each moment of the walk. I'm kind of planning. I've got to do the long walking bit or I'll hurt myself during the running bit. And then i got to walk the run off or I'll wake up sore the next morning. And then during the day, I'm thinking about whether I exercised too much or too little. Everything I do with my body, it seems, has an effect on how my body feels for the rest of the day. And if that sounds like an old guy way to do things, well... I just tell you, I'm feeling it. I get you. It's kind of an old guy way to think about exercising in the morning, but then there you go. Who am I kidding? I'm an old guy. I remember the day when I realized I was an old guy. I was waiting at a traffic light on a summer morning. I had a lot on my mind. I'd just been to the doctor to have a hernia looked at. The exam hadn't been much, actually. It was over almost before it had begun, but I don't go to the doctor's office very often, and sitting in the waiting room and filling out forms and filling out more forms and filling out more forms, well, it made me feel ancient. And there I was, thinking about my own mortality, as is always, always the case, as I leave the doctor's office. And I was waiting at a traffic light. And as I sat there, a group of college kids, all of them in running shorts and t-shirts, came toward the intersection from my right. There were about eight of them, maybe, boys and girls. They were laughing and talking as they ran. One of them took a drink from a water bottle. They approached the intersection, hardly paying attention to the world outside their run. They would run right by my windshield, across the street, and away to my left. That's where they were headed. And then, just as they reached the intersection, the crosswalk signal turned from a walking man to a countdown from ten. Ten, the big red number flashed. Nine, eight. One of the runners saw it. No one else was even looking. No one but that one guy who had seen it. And he tapped the guy next to him. And that guy turned to the girl next to him and said something and pointed. And in about half a second, everyone knew that the light had changed and was counting down. Seven six, and not one of them took an instant even to think. The whole group of them, all eight of them, just ratcheted up to another gear and bounded out into the intersection on their light feet. Those feet that seemed able to take them wherever they wanted to go, however quickly they wanted to get there. The nonchalance of those kids, their big, happy, bounding strides as they crossed the wide intersection. Five, four, Three, they were all, every one of them, safe on the opposite curb. 
by the time the counter hit the number two. Their bodies had just taken them there, almost without involvement from their brains. It was like watching a bunch of gazelles leaping along. They were another 30 yards up the road to my left before I had the green light. And then I chugged through on my way to the pharmacy at the grocery store, thinking about these kids, these runners, whose bodies would just do whatever they wanted them to do without any thought, without any planning. It was just gorgeous. Once in a while, I'd like to come to a crosswalk and without thinking about my knees or my arches or how I'd feel tomorrow, and against a clock, just step off the curb and run. But I gotta say, I almost never mind being the age that I am. I know some things that I didn't know when I was the age of those runners. There's a lot of stuff in their lives that they worry about, stuff that when it breaks down or blows up or won't go, they'll call me. It's nice to be me, nice to be the guy who is who I am. But I'll tell you, if that had been me at the crosswalk, I'd have seen those numbers flashing and given right up until the next traffic light cycle, no question. Or even weirder, I'd probably stop whoever I was walking with and have a conversation with them about whether we should try to make the light. And then by that time, time would have run out and I'd have to wait anyway. And the truth is, I guess that at my age, that's just fine. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining me for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. In just a little bit, you'll hear a story from Donald Davis called Peas and Carrots and an old Jack tale called Foolish Jack from Ed Stivender, the great Philadelphia storyteller. But first, how about a conversation with a friend? Great stories come into our lives in so many ways, through the films that we see, the books that we treasure, the meals that we share, the songs that we remember, and of course talking about some of the ways in which those stories get down into our hearts and minds and the shape they take there is something that we love to do with friends here on The Appleseed. I'm sitting here with a longtime friend of the show, Don Shaline, has been in this studio off and on since The Appleseed first went on the air and Don Shalite, it's such a pleasure to have you with me. I, I love being here, Sam. I've, <laughs> I've loved the apple seed right from the beginning, and it's just such a, a great way to get to know each other and other people, other stories, just through our stories. Sure. So I love yeah. it. Well, we love having you here because you're a deep well of not only musical knowledge, but for, for every song that's in your head, and we're talking about thousands of songs. <laughs> there's a lot up there. The, yeah, there, there, <laughs> there, there are, there's a memory, you know? Yeah. There's a memory oh, yeah. of when you first heard the song. There's a memory of the people that you were with. Let's talk about one of them. All right. I, I, I've talked before about how I wanted to get into a band, and I would kind of look at other people in bands, local, you know, in the local market, yeah. uh, friends of mine that were in bands, and just marvel at what they could do by playing instruments and kind of that the, the basic core of the gra- uh, garage band of uh, uh, guitar, bass, guitar, drum, maybe a keyboard here and there. Yeah. You say but, maybe. That's your axe, that, right? That's, well, that is mine, but, but it wasn't always part of the bands there. It's kind of like, oh, you guys got a Farfisa organ. That's wow. Right. <laughs> but um, there was there, I had some friends who— uh, were in a band and they were playing, they were practicing. I remember with another friend of mine, we went to 
this church gymnasium where they were practicing. They were up on, you know, how the, the stage there is kind of up above you. So I was looking up at these musicians, and they were playing uh, different songs. Some I recognized, some I didn't. Um, and then they started into playing this one, and I, I was familiar with the band Chicago, mm-hmm. um, just barely. It was just kind of, I was just getting into them and, and learning some of the, the songs by them, just the hits. But they started playing this song. It was kind of a bluesy riff and a repetitive kind of guitar and bass riff that was driving, and it was cool enough. And then the second verse, as they're singing along, punctuating and answering every sung vocal line Mm That was a trumpet, trombone, and saxophone going ba da 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 da, and just for me that was the the hair stood up on the back of my neck. It was kind of like that is so cool. <laughs> they they've got this band. It's, it's it's got a great riff going along, and they have this line of this bright blaring brass coming in there yeah. that just really heard live. That yeah. was just the coolest thing, and it inspired me. Um, we were trying to put a band together then, and immediately it was like, no, 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 we're putting a brass-oriented <laughs> band together. <laughs> it's kind of the triumph of the band nerds, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it, it is. Suddenly there you've got oh. that line of horns. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the song was South California Purples, a play on blues, from uh, Chicago Transit Authority, the first Chicago album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was, and, and the funny thing too was, here, again, I'm, Kind of, I want to be a musician more than I have talent to be a musician, and so it's like, okay, we got to find people that know how to play brass, and so right. who's yeah. the Sterling Scholar at that that high school? Let's go call him and see. <laughs> He's a trumpet player. Let's bring him over, and and it's kind of how we cobbled <laughs> together this this ragtag band. But we actually, by the end of this summer, were able to play a high school dance. Wow. And, and pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> we should hear a little of the tune. Here's Chicago. Here's the recording from Chicago Transit Authority right here on the Appleseed. And then, of course, Chicago became part of yeah. the vocabulary that oh, we yeah. all had. Right? Sure, we sure. All... And and from that those early days, they were they were had a little more of a raw edge to them. And yeah. some of their music wasn't real accessible, yeah. but I loved it. It just had so much to it. But, <laughs> oh yeah, Chicago became huge. <laughs> Did you after that? I mean, uh, Don, I got to tell you, I've seen you play in. Uh, well, in a lot of different contexts, I've seen you play on stage. I've seen you play, Sam, and you're, if you're going to compliment me at all, I'm going to say, but I pale compared to well, Sam Payne. Well, <laughs> what I want to know is yeah. if you if you continued to sort of if if that early experience with Chicago mm-hmm. sort of be became kind of a, a value a set of values and standards that you employed then as you put together bands in the future I, yeah I, I think so it, not always with brass I, although I I would love to again do that I would yeah. love to have a brass band back together but <laughs> uh, but definitely the time changes and the the, the com- complexity yeah. uh, I, I always loved that in, in bands and and again 
my limited uh, skills weren't always up to it, so I had to surround myself with very talented musicians who could pull that <laughs> off. But I isn't that, that the way it is for all of us? We think, God, yeah. here's something that I want, yeah, and I have the drive, and I, you know, I don't, I don't quite have quite the gifts that I would like to have <laughs> Absolutely. To, to pull that off. Absolutely. You know? Surround we, yourself with geniuses. Yeah, I yeah. think we can all relate to that. You know, as we listen to. Uh, the music, it, as you're talking about this, it's 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 making me think about listening to uh, listening to musicians and songwriters and bands, and and being able to sort of track who they're listening to. You know, track yeah, who, yes, who yes. inspires who them, inspires them. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. that is often fascinating because it isn't always obvious. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That sort of musical family tree. Well, yeah. it's fun to talk with Don about uh, about the. Passion as a young guy that ignited a passion that remains sustained to this day. And it's fun to look back into those memories and and to go through the door of a terrific song. If there's a terrific song in your life that brings a memory back to you, that memory is worth sharing as a story with the people that you love around the kitchen table or the living room. That kind of storytelling can make for memories that last a lifetime. Don Shaline, thanks so much for joining me here on the Apple. Thank you, Sam. Great stories come into our lives in so many ways, certainly through the songs that we remember and treasure. And it's always a pleasure to chat with Don Shaline. We'll be sure to have him back. Coming up, a story from Donald Davis called Peas and Carrots. Don't miss it. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. A moment ago, you heard a conversation with Don Shaline about a favorite old song and an entry in the Radio Family Journal about running. And up next, we've got a story from Donald Davis. This is a story for you, especially if you were the kind of kid who made a practice of hiding certain vegetables instead of eating them. This story is called Peas and Carrots. Donald Davis on The Appleseed. Peas and Carrots. When I was born, we lived in a small frame house that had three bedrooms, a living room, a dining room, a kitchen, and a bathroom, but no heat. There was only one room in the house that was ever warm in the wintertime. That was the kitchen. In the kitchen, my mother had a large wood stove. It would be some years before she got an electric stove. She would build a fire in the wood stove for cooking and a fire to keep warm, We got in such a habit staying in the kitchen in the wintertime that the kitchen became the place we lived all year round. The kitchen was where we ate. There was a big square wooden table painted white. My daddy always sat on the end of the table that was far from the sink, far from the stove. I always sat on the back side of the table with my back to the wall so nobody could sneak up behind me. My brother Joe sat on the outside. He was not scared anybody was going to sneak up behind him. And my mother never sat down at all. Her place was at the head of the table, 
nearest the stove, nearest the sink, but she would stand between the end of the table. Do you need more food? Do you need anything else? Do you need something else to drink? And my daddy would say, sit down and eat, Lucille. I already ate. I'll eat later. I remember her never sitting down. Now, my mother had one rule about food. You don't waste food. If the food is on your plate, the food must disappear. That would not be a bad rule if you actually got to serve your own plate. But we never got to do that. No, we didn't know what was good for us. My mother would take the plate and go to the stove. Then she would put potatoes on it. Oh, you need this so you'll be big and strong. She'd put green beans on it. Oh, you need this so you'll have plenty of energy and your hair will shine. Then she would put meat on it. Oh, you need some of this so you'll be able to run fast when you go to school. She would bring back a big plate of food and we would have to look at it until it was all gone. One day I remember my little brother Joe looking at my daddy and saying, is there anything you can do with food except eat it? My dad had laughed and then he had said, well, maybe so, but then you couldn't call it food. The kitchen table was also where we played. My brother Joe and I would spread a big blanket over the table, let it hang down on the sides, and then we could crawl under the table, and it was a cave. We would put a big blanket over the table, let it hang down on the sides. We would crawl under the table. It was a log cabin. We would put a big blanket over the table, let it hang down on the sides. We would crawl under the table. It was a teepee. We would put a big blanket over the... We were so dumb, that's the only thing we could ever think of to do. One day, my brother and I were playing under the table. We started wrestling around, and we got to kicking around, and all of a sudden, one of us kicked, and we broke one of the legs right out from under the corner of the table. I thought, oh my goodness, we're in trouble now. So I ran to find my mother as fast as I could so I could tell her that my little brother just broke the table. We had no idea who really did it. But we were not in trouble. My mother was thrilled. She said, oh boy, at last we can get a new table. I thought, my goodness, why didn't you tell us you wanted a new table? We could have broken this thing anytime you wanted us to. Well, we took the old table, put it on the back porch. It was eventually patched up and used on the back porch. Then we headed to the furniture store where my daddy said to my mama, Now, Lucille, you pick out any table you would like. My mother looked and looked, and finally she picked what the man at the store called a dinette set. The top of the table looked like gray plastic marble. The corners of the table were not square. No, the corners were rounded, and the sides even dipped in a little bit from the corners. 
There was a wide, shiny metal band that had grooves in it. The band ran all the way around the very edge of the table. And the table legs looked like they were made of silver pipes. There were two pipe legs on each corner. They started out of sight, flat against the bottom of the table. And as they curved down on the corners, the two met and ended up on the floor with little feet on the bottom. There were four chairs that matched the table, covered in gray plastic, but the chairs had big round pink buttons in the middle of the seats and right in the center of the back. The chrome pipe on the seats rounded the back, passed the seats on the side, went down to the floor where they curved around and met. My brother Joe and I learned that we could sit in those chairs, get a good grip on the edges so that we wouldn't fly out, and bounce up and down, and we could bounce around all over the kitchen. One day, we were eating at the new table, and my mother was serving up my least favorite food, mixed canned peas and carrots. I hated peas and carrots. Those peas, they've been in the can so long, they're not even firm and round anymore. They've cooked down until they're soft and saggy, and they bulge out on the edges. And they're not nice and bright green. They're sort of faded down to the color of day-old monkey vomit. And the little cubic carrots, they're so ashamed of being called carrots, they sort of suck in on the sides, and their little corners stick out and turn dark. And the whole mess sits in greasy gray-green juice that runs all out of the peas and carrots and ruins your bread and soaks everything else on the plate. I hated peas and carrots. But my mother would always say, you have to eat your peas and carrots or you can't see in the dark. I said, I don't need to see in the dark. You won't even let me stay awake in the dark. I hate peas and carrots. You have to eat your peas and carrots because we don't waste food. I was seven years old, sitting there at the table, looking at the peas and carrots, and all of a sudden, my hands... Remember your hands when you're about seven years old. You're not really responsible for what your hands do when you're seven years old. You just get up in the morning, look at your hands, and say, wonder where you're going today. And then you follow them around and see what they happen to get themselves into. Some people have hands like that their whole life. All of a sudden, my hands were playing up under the new table. When suddenly, one of my hands found the end of one of the big pipes that started the leg on the corner. 
my fingers discovered that the end of the pipe was open and it was hollow inside. And all of a sudden, my hands realized, you know, you could put something in that table leg. Why, you could put peas and carrots right in there. Next time my mother looked out the kitchen window, my hands came back to the top of the table. They picked up peas and carrots. They went back under the table, and the peas and carrots went into the table leg. I discovered that as long as your finger was, you could push the peas and carrots right on into the table leg and they would keep going and then you could load more peas and carrots right in behind them. I put every single one of the peas and carrots in the table leg. Not just that day, but every day we had peas and carrots the whole year that I was seven years old. I put peas and carrots in the table leg when I was eight years old. I put peas and carrots in the table leg when I was nine years old. When I was ten years old, I had to swap sides of the table with my brother Joe because I had filled up all four of the pipes on my side of the table and I had to start on his table legs. I put peas and carrots in the table leg when I was eleven years old. I would still be putting peas and carrots in the table leg. But when I was 12, we moved to a new house. My Uncle Spencer was helping my daddy load everything up. We were using Uncle Spencer's pickup truck to help move. One day they were loading the kitchen. They were trying to get everything in the kitchen to fit in the truck in one load. And all of a sudden, Uncle Spencer said to my daddy, he said, Joe, you know, if we would turn this table upside down and take the legs off, it would be a lot easier to get it to fit in the truck. I thought, no, 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 no. But I watched them as they picked up the table and started to turn it upside down. They got the table all the way upside down and nothing happened. But then they put it down on the floor with a bump. And all of a sudden, up inside the legs a little sound started going as years of dried up peas and carrots came running down the table legs out into little piles on the upside down tabletop. My mother saw that and she said, we don't waste food. She said to me, you go find a container and put this food in the container and when we get to our new house, then we'll figure out what to do with it. So when we moved, in addition to our books and our toys and all our clothes, we had a big wide-mouthed quart canning jar full of antique 
peas, and carrots. When we moved, it was the beginning of the summer, just when school got out. Much later in the summer, late July or maybe even in August, they had at our church what they called Vacation Bible School for Children. My brother Joe and I went. We had little classes in each class. We would learn games. We would sing songs. We would study Bible stories. And we would do arts and crafts. In my little brother's class, they were making baskets by gluing popsicle sticks together. In one of the classes, they were doing pottery because the teacher had a little pottery wheel. In one of the classes, they were making weaving that would end up being wall hangings when the week was over and the children took them home. In my class, we were going to do something our teacher called making mosaic pictures. Our teacher told us that this was the way they had made pictures way before paint was even invented. We took flat white boards, the kind that you would actually paint on. We picked out pictures of animals. They all came from Bible stories, lions, and even, well, I picked the big rooster that crowed to show that St. Peter was telling a lie. I traced the rooster onto the whiteboard, and then when we finished tracing, the teacher told all of us, now boys and girls, we don't paint. We make mosaic pictures by gluing things on. Why, you could make a whole picture by gluing on buttons. You could glue on pieces of broken glass. Why, you could even glue on popcorn or even macaroni. She said, boys and girls, now when you go home, look around your house and see what you can find that you can use in your picture. I knew exactly what we had. You see, my mother was still keeping the peas and carrots on a shelf in the kitchen cabinet. Once in a while, she would come in and say, what are we going to have for supper tonight? She would take down the peas and carrots and say, oh, maybe we'll have these. Oh, no, maybe we'll save them a little bit more. So I knew they were still there. I also remembered the time when my little brother had said to my daddy, is there anything you can do with food except eat it? And I remember that my daddy had said, maybe so, but then you couldn't call it food. And as I got the peas and carrots down out of the cabinet, I knew what they were now called art supplies. The next morning, I put the jar of peas and carrots in the bag with my lunch that I was taking to Bible school. My mother said, what do you have in your bag today? And I said, Art supplies. When I got to Bible school, I had so many peas and carrots, I could share them generously with everyone and even swap to get things they had brought to use in my rooster picture. Oh, the rooster turned out beautifully.
It was like a fighting game rooster with a big multicolored tail. The rooster's tail was striped green and orange outlined in macaroni. That Sunday after church, all the grown-ups were invited to come down and visit our classes to see what we had done, and then we could all take our work home. Here came my mother. She looked in my little brother's class. Oh, how sweet. Little baskets made of popsicle sticks. What a good thing to use them instead of throwing them away. We went in the next class. Oh, how nice. Pottery. I bet they learned a lot doing that. We went in the next class. Oh, look, weaving. Oh, these parents will be so proud when their children take things home. They could put them on the wall. And then we went in my class. My mother looked around, and all of a sudden she said, Oh! And I knew she had seen the rooster. Isn't it beautiful, I said. And my mother said, We don't waste food. But my daddy said, Lighten up, Lucille. This is not food. It's art. And my mother got so tickled, I didn't even get in trouble. Donald Davis with peas and carrots here on the Appleseed. We're going to wrap up today with a story from Ed Stivender, the Philadelphia storyteller. In this story, Jack gets job after job, receiving different forms of payment for each job. But getting that payment home proves to be a challenge almost too great. The story is called Foolish Jack. There are all kinds of versions of this tale. This one's a great one from Ed Stivender. Happy to bring it to you here on The Appleseed. Jack and his mama lived on one side of the village. On the other side of the village, there was a prince and a princess living in a castle with their father. Let me tell you about the prince and princess. They were very sad. All they did all day long was put their head on their palms, look out the window, and feel sorry for themselves. They never talked. They never laughed. And their father announced that anyone who can help my children laugh and speak will receive half of my kingdom. Meanwhile, Jack's coming home from work. He's been working all day. He's got a quarter for his pay. He's tossing it up and down as he's crossing over the bridge. All of a sudden, the quarter pops out of his hand, falls off the bridge into the water. He'll never see it again. He runs home and he says, Mama, 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 I worked all day, got a quarter for my pay. I was tossing up and down. I fell into the river. I'll never see it again. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. <laughs> Want to try that line with Jack's mom? You guys have been so good with the participation. 
if you want to really get into it, you can put your uh, hands on your hips, but you don't have to, you know. The First Amendment protects your right not to assemble and speak and participate. <laughs> anyway, Jack, you're the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. When you get something like that, you're supposed to put it in your pocket, carry it home in your pocket. All right, Mama, put it in your pocket. I'll remember. Next day, Jack got another job of work. What do you get paid for this day's job of work? Is a nice glass of milk. Put it in your pocket. All right. So Jack put the milk in his pocket, started walking home. You know what's happening to the milk, don't you? He gets home. He says, Mama, look what I got. An empty glass. Mama, I worked all day, got milk from a pad, did what you said. I put it in my pocket, but it all sloshed out. Jack. You are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. When you get something like that, you're supposed to balance it on your head. Balance it on your head and bring it home. Balance it on your head and bring it home. All right, Mama, I'll remember. Next day, Jack got another job of work. What do you get paid for this day's job of work is a nice pound of butter. Put it on your head. Carry it on your head. All right. So Jack put the pound of butter on his head and started walking home. The sun is shining down on Jack's head. You know what's happening to the butter, don't you? He gets home. He says, Mama, 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 look what I got. A greasy butter head. <laughs> Mama, I worked all day. Got butter from a pay. I did what you said. I put on my head, but it all melted. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. When you get something like that, what you're supposed to do is wrap it in green leaves and cool it in the river. Wrap it in green leaves and cool it in the river. All right, Mama, I'll remember. Next day, Jack got another job of work. What do you get paid for this day's job of work is a nice cat. <laughs> wrap it in green leaves and cool it in the river. All right, so Jack went down to the river, started wrapping the cat in green leaves. The cat does not appreciate this at all. He starts scratching Jack up, runs off into the woods. Mama, Mama, I worked all day, got a cat from my pay. I did what you said. I'm wrapped in green leaves and tried to cool it in the river, but it scratched me up and ran away. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander at. When you get something like that, what you're supposed to do is tie a string around it and lead it home. Tie a string around it, lead it home. I'll remember, next day you got another job of work. What do you get paid for this day's job of work is a nice hunk of meat. Tie a string around it and lead it home. All right, so he tied a string around the meat, started dragging the meat back home. Every dog in the neighborhood's coming up behind Jack, taking chunks of the meat as he's walking home. He gets home, he says, Mama, Lala, look what I got. An empty string. Mama, I worked all day, got meat from a pay. I did what you said. I tied a string around and lead it home, but them dogs got it. Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took a gander. When you get something like that, what you're supposed to do is carry it on your shoulder. Carry it on your shoulder home. Carry it on your shoulder. All right, Mama, I'll remember. Next day, Jack got another job of work. What do you get paid for this day's job of work is a nice donkey. Carry it on your shoulder. All right. So he got under the donkey and started carrying the donkey home on his shoulder. Well, he's crossing in front of the castle where the sad prince and the sad princess live. And they look out the window and they see a strangest sight they've ever seen. There's a boy walking down the road with a donkey on his shoulder. They try not to laugh because you know how good it feels to feel sorry for yourself sometimes, but they can't help themselves. They start laughing. Daddy, daddy, come on here. There's a boy walking down the road with a donkey on his shoulder. The king comes in, sees the children are healed. Hey, boy, come here. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble with the king. <laughs> yes, sir, you're not in trouble with me, son. You cured my children. I'm going to give you half of my kingdom. Oh, boy, wait till my mama hears about this. He runs home with a donkey on his shoulder, runs in, leaves the donkey outside, says, Mama, the king just gave us half of a kingdom.
But here's the problem. I know how to carry quarter. I know how to carry milk. I know how to carry butter. I know how to carry cat. I know how to carry meat. I'm not sure about the donkey. But how in the world am I ever going to carry home a half of a kingdom? <laughs> Jack, you are the silliest goose I ever took again. When you get something like that, it's a lot like a donkey. You don't carry it. You let it carry you. And they let that half a kingdom carry them into a ripe old age where they're still living happily ever after. <laughs> Ed Stivender, the Philadelphia storyteller with Foolish Jack, an old tale of which there are many versions. We love Ed's. And, of course, before that, you heard a story from Donald Davis, a story about hiding peas and carrots in a place that, well, one thought might never be discovered. But, of course, that's the story. And, of course, at the top of the hour, a story called Old Man Winter, a story told for you by Len Cabral. Find us online at byuradio.org slash Appleseed. I'm Sam Payne. Always such a pleasure to be with you. And I can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music, and conversation made for you and your family and brought to you by The Appleseed. The show is a production of BYU Radio. We'll see you next time.